steps into it, pass is caught! Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! To the unbelievable podcast. I am BJ Rodell back here with my guy, Drew Maholt. And today, uh, I, I don't even, it, I feel like it's hard for me to even be positive in the introduction here. Um, Fair enough. Vikings, I understand. <laughs> um, Vikings, last time we spoke, had an opportunity here to get back to the, you know, to get over the 500 mark, excuse me, against the Dallas Cowboys. We expected Dak Prescott to be the quarterback. That was not the case. So the Vikings had a very good opportunity to get over the 500 mark. And guess what happened, folks? Well, we didn't. So uh, 20 to 16 is your final from Minnesota. Uh, on Sunday night football, your Minnesota Vikings lose to the Dallas Cowboys and drop to three and four on the season. And in the process, lose to Neil Hunter, star defensive end and pass rusher for the rest of the season. So, man, this is a, I mean, this is not going to be a great show. I just honestly, it's, it's this is going to be a doom and gloom podcast. It's very hard to be positive well, right now, but we will do our best here to break down what happened, break down some reasons for optimism moving forward and do the same thing that we typically do whenever the Vikings lose in horrific faction. We've done this before and I'm sure we'll do it again. So where would you like to start today, Drew? I don't know where to start. Uh, and the, <laughs> the frustrating part um, for me is that, I mean, we're going to harp on the same stuff we've been harping on for really the whole year. Um, you know, it, it's, oh, I don't even know where to begin, man. I mean, this team scripting the first series of the, the first offensive series of the game is probably better than any team in the NFL. I mean, you saw that first drive. How electric was that? There was Run, play right action passing floor. down the field. You had the fade to Conklin beating J Ron curse. You had, you know, a bubble screen to Jefferson and then that would set up a fake bubble screen for the touchdown. You had you know, pass interference drawn down the field and attempts shot or shots down the field. And it goes for touchdown and they immediately go away from all of that. It's just the most baffling thing in the world. Uh, and I, again, there's details. I don't know. I mean, I haven't looked at the all 22 to see what Dallas was doing. Maybe they made some good adjustments. Maybe Dan Quinn was firing on all cylinders out there, but I just find that hard to believe given Dallas's defense before this, where it, I mean, they weren't, ranked very highly in terms of, you know, shutting teams down in yards and in efficiency, moving the ball. It was just, they got turnovers at the right time and they suddenly shut down this Vikings offense that had been overall pretty lethal during the year, especially when it was time to get to aggressive. So we've been saying that over and over, get aggressive, get aggressive, let Kirk rip the ball. And it could have been Kirk could have been Kubiak could have been Zimmer. I don't know who was at fault, but so many short throws which is completely anti-optimal, right? I don't know if that's the right word. Anti-optimal. It's sub-optimal. the right word for this podcast. It's for, anti-optimal, yes. We have Justin Jefferson, who is a premier deep threat down the field, right? Creating separation on deep routes, uh, high-pointing the ball in traffic. Adam Thielen is as savvy of a route runner as there is in the NFL. He's still got some speed and quickness to him, and you're just refusing to use those guys. It is right. baffling to me. Um, and it's, I, I get, I hate it, man. I could go so many different, different directions here. I could rant for forever on this stuff, but 
you can listen to other shows and get the same sentiment, man. I'm just, I'm so perplexed by all of this, how the Vikings can go away from what's working very clearly working. And I know there's a difference between scripting plays out and right. then kind of adjusting it on the fly mid game. I get that, but the overall philosophy seems to be let's get aggressive first drive and then ultra conservative the rest of the way. And it's right. just like, how painfully is that conservative, yeah. painfully conservative? It's un, it's truly unbelievable to me. So I, that's, I, that's how I'm going to open, I guess. I, I don't even know where to go or when to stop, when to keep going. I don't even know. All right. So let's start with the baseline here and what happened, right? Um, you mentioned really the only scoring drive. Uh, three minutes and 11 seconds long, seven play drive, straight down the shoot, six points for your Minnesota Vikings and the extra point to boot. Didn't screw anything up as efficient as you will see this Minnesota Vikings offense. Now I'm going to read off to you just, just the rest of the half in terms of possessions. Next drive, missed field goal from Dallas. Opportunity number one, great field position, punt four plays later after 18 yards. Like right there. come on pass short right deep incompletion all right like that's nice all right next drive opportunity number two is coming along interception that's the first one by the way both vikings got multiple turnovers on defense yesterday punt three play drive three and out don't even get their their defense an opportunity to rest on that one dallas goes down this time they actually get a field goal vikings respond they're like all right we'll go 49 yards in 11 plays we're going to go to like a, a 4.1 per play average to get a field goal in five minutes. Then you go punt, then end of half. The Vikings had 40 seconds, by the way, to end the half. And I believe they also had a timeout as well. Oh, the didn't most, even care. Didn't even the, care. I just mm. did not, didn't even think about it. It wasn't so they even completed a, a pass. Oh, there had to have been like 27 seconds left, 25 seconds left when the pass was completed. And was it Conklin or was it? It was somebody didn't quite get out of bounds. Uh, maybe Amir Smith Marset. I don't remember who it was, but caught the pass, didn't quite get out of bounds. And instead of calling the timeout, which I know you want to save the timeout, right? Right. But it, even instead of spiking the ball to stop the clock, no, we got to run a full play. So Kirk's got to tell every player individually what yeah. that play is. Yeah. yeah. Snap <laughs> the ball of six seconds left. The half's over. It's, I, I mm. It's not just know. it's not just the thought anymore. It's also the execution as well. Like when they even like they seemed like Mike, Mike Zimmer on a couple of occasions, he went for it on fourth down one time. He got aggressive a couple of times. We got, like you know, the, the quote, yeah. the thought that counts. But then you can't execute it most of the time. Right. I mean, I just went through the first half of just basic, you know, overall terms of like terms of possession time of possession that was basically what it was for the rest of the game touchdown punt punt field goal punt punt field goal punt fumble punt punt field goal touchdown downs that's how the rest of this game went cowboys didn't play well either vikings played about half this game without daniel hunter they all honestly great defensive showing a lot of guys showed a lot of guys stepped up and played you know solid football now, were there some missed opportunities there? For sure. Cameron Dancer should have had an interception, the one that he picked off the turf that was reviewed and called back. He should have just stepped up a you know, an extra yard further and caught that a little ball. Bit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Brashad Breland also had an opportunity to get in, you know, what would have been a highlight real caliber interception as well. Another missed opportunity. So there's the theme here. It's just consistently missed opportunities. And then you go to the third down numbers. Like, don't even get me started on the third down stuff. Like, are you kidding me? The, the Cowboys one of, won. One of 14 or something like that. Vikings, yes. 
the Vikings were at one of one of thirteen, one of two on fourth. So in total, on key situations, turnover and down situations, two for fifteen for an entire football game. And we spent you know forty five minutes of this last show talking about how this is going to be a situational game. Vikings in in previous you know games years under Zimmer, great defensively on third down, fairly average offensively on third down. Well, you got nothing from the offense on third down, and you got 50% 7 for 14 conversion rate from Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush, not Cooper Cup, the offensive player of the year candidate. Nope, Cooper Rush, his first NFL start away in your home stadium at U.S. Bank Stadium. It's just unbelievable. Like, you can you can go back. You can, every, every single thing that we're going to say today is going to go back to what we've been harping on and really what the entire Vikings fan base has been harping on for what it's worth in the passive play. How does Justin Jefferson get four targets all game long? Three of those targets came in the first five drives. How does he get four targets all game long? How? I just want to know, like, this game was never in a, in a position where the Vikings should have been do- doing anything other than playing balanced football. They should have been playing 60-40, 50 40-60 split pass run the entire game based on the score, right? And I know there's a lot more that goes into that. As always, we are oversimplifying for the, for the simple fact of making a point, Right. But you got to be kidding me. How does your number one, your star receiver, get four targets? I know that this was more of an Adam Thielen game. And in the past, we've kind of seen that this team has kind of shifted back and forth between the two for one reason or another, as opposed to just giving both guys eight targets each game. But really, there's no excuse for this. Adam Thielen gets nine targets. That's good. How? How does Justin Jefferson only get four? That's my, like How? What's going through your head to make that happen? The, the, the bothersome thing for me, is when this team gets behind schedule in a series of downs, it might be a loss of two, a loss of three on first down, something like that. And they're suddenly set up a second and long. They completely mail it in every single time. It's a, it's a little screen for three yards. It's another draw play to set up third and eight or third and 10. It's, and there's no hope at all. They don't even, they don't, it's like, it's like Clint Kubiak has never, ever seen second and 13 before. He's like, I don't, I don't know what to do. It's, uh, it's unbelievable to me. The other thing, too, I wanted to point out is we talked about that end of the half timeout situation. They asked Kirk about that after the media did when, you know, that all those last 20 some seconds just ticked off the clock as the Vikings were scrambling, trying to set something up. And he says, I, I just let the coaches handle that. I let Mike uh, coach Zimmer handle the timeouts. Dude, I mean, First of all, if Z- if Kirk Cousins doesn't have the command or the uh, you know responsibility like being given yeah. to him to take timeouts, there's an issue. Number there, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, if he does have that responsibility and he's still like he can still he has that you know uh, task given to him or he has that ability and he didn't do it there. I mean, this is it. it I don't know, man. It, it's a complete failure. So we're what I, the point we're wrapping up to now is. I mean, this is a this is. You can look at this in a a few ways, but I think this is a, for a lack of a better term, like a very momentous uh, consequential loss because I think jobs were lost from this game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, Mike Zimmer might not be fired this week. I don't think he will. Right. Um, You know, and I love Mike Zimmer. I I, I love him as a dude. I think he did great things as the coach here. I love the attitude he brought. But the, the the philosophy is just too old, man. It's too old school. It's it's outdated, and so I I think 
this was kind of that straw that finally the final straw, I think unless some sort of magical run happens here, I think this is his last year with the Vikings. Um, you know, and so I think he's going to ride out this year. I think the Vikings might, they might sneak into the playoffs. I still think they can based on the NFC landscape right now, they can get that seven seed, go to Tampa Bay or Lambeau or wherever and get smoked by 15. Right. But I hope, you know, for the sake of the franchise moving forward, I, I, they have to change directions. They have to. Um, and then the, the same has probably can be said about the quarterback position as well. It's just it, the whole regime has failed. You know, I know you had a team that almost went to the Super Bowl in 2017. In theory, you should be a quarterback away from making it. And they've been a completely supremely average football team since signing Kirk Cousins. It's That's a simple fact. I think they're like two games over 500. You know, it's like 28 and 26 or something is their record in that time. It's just it, you that's that's average. That's a failure. If you're a team that's 13 to three, you sign your friend, your quarterback to a 30 million dollar deal or salary over the next four years. And you're two games over 500 in four years. That is a failure. You have failed. And I don't care. It might not be Kirk's fault necessarily where he's you know, his performance has been what it is. Right. But for whatever reason, and you have to imagine Kirk's salary plays part of this, the defense has certainly fallen apart a little bit and declined. The offensive line has barely made any progress, if at all, in the, since that time. You've got – you're lucky to land Justin Jefferson, right? But but defensively, you're, you mean, they've invested so much in cornerback and offensive line, they're getting absolutely nothing out of it. And Kirk is – that salary is handicapping them. The whole thing's just been a failure. Uh, it, it sucks to say that because, you know, as Vikings fans, we kind of want to prop up our team and, and things like that. But ultimately, man, you're 13 and three, you go, you have one of the best defenses of all time. And certainly that's going to regress, no doubt, but to go eight to seven and one the year after that. And then to follow that up with, you know, you 2019, you made the playoffs, you got a overtime win in the playoffs against an overrated Saints team. And then you've completely fall apart after that. It's just baffling to me um how everything's worked out and how the vikings have still yet like they haven't acknowledged that this has failed and that's the first part about all of this and hopefully for the greater good down the road this loss kind of helps the franchise acknowledge that it was a failure and then move on and so maybe that and that might include getting rid of spielman zimmer and cousins or two of the three or all of them or one of the i don't know but changes have to be made I agree. I'm with you on that. And I think that the important term here is just the term failure in general, right? Because it's it's subjective to what you believe failure is, right? And Vikings fans, notoriously, myself included, have fairly low expectations, right? Like we kind of expect the worst case scenario. But at the same time, this is a team without a championship, right? You're 0-4 in the Super Bowl. Ziggy Wilf made it very clear in 2017 that the lone goal for this franchise is winning a championship getting to the NFC championship, getting to the playoffs. If he really means good- that, he'll make changes. If he means that, he'll make the changes. that Because clearly, right, I mean, how many times do we have to see this team just be average to you know, get it through our minds that this team isn't going to compete with the Tampa Bays and the uh, Los Angeles Rams and the Green Bay Packers on a consistent basis? It's just not. Yeah, they might fluke into a win like last year at Windy Lambeau, right? right? You know, and you might get some crazy circumstances where that's possible, but – it's it's you can't this team will not put it together for four weeks in a row to win a Super Bowl. You just don't have it. You have to yeah. beat it. That like right now, I mean, let's say they get that 17, which I actually do think they will. The NFC is mm-hmm. very 
bad right now. There's five really good teams. The Saints are kind of in there, and then there's really nobody else, which is why I think the Vikings will get it. That would mean they get the seven seed. They have to go to the number two seed and beat them, which is probably Tampa, Green Bay, the Rams, the Rams, Rams. Uh, you know, whoever else is up there, Dallas, maybe go there, beat them. Then they go to another contender. One of those teams beat them and they go to another contender in the title game and beat them just to get to the Super Bowl to probably go play Buffalo or whoever else. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's time to, it's time to blow it up, man. And I'm not saying right now, fire Mike Zimmer. I'm just saying you gotta, the, the future, like now if I'm ownership and again, I'm far from ownership, but, you, you 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 have to know now what your plan is moving forward, and I hope there was already kind of thin ice there for the, for this kind of regime here. And if it's not, there was there's issues. Did you uh, when you were when you were younger? Honestly, when you were whenever did you ever watch the show Dexter's Laboratory? Do you know what I'm talking? No, about? No, I don't. That? Do you know I what don't. I'm talking about though? Okay, someone no. does. That's listening to this. All right, <laughs> I'm older. I guess I'm missing a whole generation here. But um, there's a particular episode. This is a this is a cartoon show from when I was like eight or ten years old, right? And it's this genius kid, and he works in his laboratory that's hidden underneath his you know his uh, his bedroom, and he's smart as hell, gets straight A's, whatever. He builds all this crazy technology. That's the purpose of this ridiculous cartoon, right? It was pretty hilarious back in the day. That's I'm pissed that I have to say back in the day. But anyways, uh, there was an episode, right, where he gets a B, and he it, he freaks out and decides that he's average and changes his entire personality to match the fact that he got a B instead of an A on the report card. He starts, you know, backwards hat with the Colin, Coward, Colin Coward, like whole thing, backwards hat, stupid clothes, you know, trying to hang out with the, you know, the BC student kids, whatever. He changes the entire personality to fit that average dar- dynamic. All right. Do you see where I'm going here with this? Now the Vikings have fit their personality to, f- to be an average football team when they have all the resources necessary to be a great team. They have the, like they have the ownership. The Wilfs are great, by the way. It's like you've got from ownership down, you've got all the pieces in place to do the right things, except for something always goes haywire, right? You always make one drastic mistake, whether it's a missed field goal, whether it's maybe it's we'll look back and it'll be overpaying Kirk Cousins, whether it's, you know, using your first round pick to draft Cordero Patterson, whatever it is. You always make this ridiculous mistake and either fail to execute on it afterwards or you just don't live up to expectations. So you have given us this fan base. There's so many people out there who are just like, all right, we'll take the seventh seat. And that's fine. That's cool. But that's average. That's not good. That's not going to get you as Drew laid out for you. It's, I mean, that's what happened. That's what's happened the last two years, three years. I mean, yeah, this has happened the last three seasons. They've been super average, but they've had one extra win against a bad quarterback, for example, that has lifted them into that playoff spot. And kind of given that false sense of optimism, that false sense of like success, even that, yeah. oh yeah, you know, we playoff team. We're one step away. We're always 2019. How away. many, te- how many in 2019, how many back quarterbacks did they beat last year or that year? You know, there was like David Blau, there was Chase Daniel. They actually lost Chase Daniel mm-hmm. and Matt Moore that year, yep. but they had so many like backup quarterbacks, guys that normally don't start that were in there. There's Brandon Allen in Denver where they almost lost to. I'm just, I'm top of my head. I mean, that was, there was an extreme stroke of luck that year to play the quarterbacks that they did. And then 2020, you had injuries that derailed and showed how terrible the depth was on this roster. And so you, you get that in the 2021 it's in these, it's unbelievable how there was Super Bowl aspirations for this team and all this stuff. They weren't even close, man. 
they were not even close. And you're seeing it now when Cooper Rush comes into U.S. Bank Stadium, lights you up for 300-some yards, mm-hmm. and puts together a game-winning drive on you because you're too scared to – well, you're playing to not lose to Cooper Rush instead of just beating him because you have the superior talent. Unbelievable to me. It is unbelievable. Using the name of the show inside the podcast. How about mm-hmm. that? Um, this is probably the one of the first shows at least – you know, recently in the last handful of months, maybe six months, a year even, where we haven't started the co- the show by talking about the quarterback. Um, we generally mm-hmm. hand out slices of pie here. Um, I think we've already made it pretty clear that the, the, what the slice of pie is, um, and it's basically the entire thing is going to Mike Zimmer and Clint Kubiak and the rest of the staff for simply just not being willing to, I'm not even saying be aggressive, but just like under aggressive, like overly passive um, yeah, anti- I, I, mean, I don't know what the word you used before. We, we, everybody that's listening to this knows what you're talking about. Like, right. there, there's several words you can kind of use to dance around what that means. But, you know, to me, it's getting they get a lead and then they they do whatever they can to run the clock only. Yes, which is that's it, which that's is it. unbelievably like outdated philosophy in today's NFL when you know Cooper Rush can connect with Cedric Wilson for an 80 yard touchdown on any given play. And then your philosophy is already out the window. It's, I don't know. I mean, clearly I'm, a, I'm, I don't think I've been as annoyed with the Vikings as I am right now. It's just, it's painful, painful to watch because Vikings go down the field and score a touchdown. The first drive doesn't do a single thing for me. Cause I know that doesn't matter in the long run. It doesn't matter. So uh, I, in terms of Kirk now, I know we wanted to get to Kirk a little bit, but yeah, how and, much of the, how much of the blame or how much of the fault or how annoyed I simply put how annoyed with you with, Kirk Cousins relative to this loss specifically, because I'm inclined to be more mad at Mike Zimmer and Clint Kubiak and the overall philosophy of this team than Kirk Cousins. Yes, he made, missed a couple throws. There was one down the sideline to Jefferson that if he had that one, who knows, he might have got another touchdown that might have been the difference in the game. Sure. Okay. We can slice out that tiny little section or whatever for Kirk Cousins. But generally speaking, I'm not that pissed off at Kirk Cousins. He played the game that was called from, so from what I can see. There's. Right? A couple of things here, and I I don't really know how annoyed I am with Kirk because they don't. It, it's the coaching staff doesn't seem to trust him, which I don't is that know. His fault or is that the coach? I don't know. Like, is <laughs> they, like I seriously I don't know. Like, I, I don't either. I'm he, just... you, you can look at PF. By the way, Pro Football Focus has Kirk I think as the number two quarterback of the NFL right now. So think of that what you will. But we've seen Kirk get really hot when the coaches have to trust him, right? When that's like, we have no choice, but we have to score now. So you let it rip. And he's been so good at it, but they still don't trust him enough to do anything but run, run, pass in their three plays, which is, I don't know if that's a, you know, a detriment to Kirk. I don't know if that's more on the coaching staff for not realizing what Kirk's talents are. I, I, I'm, I'm puzzled by that. So Kirk's slice of the pie is anywhere from like 15% to 40%. I mean, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. I don't even, I, again, it's just, they, the fact that, and you know, our friend Eric eager was tweeting this yesterday during the game uh, from pro football focus. He was saying that Dallas is trusting Cooper rush more than the Vikings are trusting Kirk cousins. I totally agree with it based on the way the game yeah. was called by both teams by the, the Dallas game plan, the Vikings, it seems it was like, it was as if the Vikings went in there with the backup quarterback playing against, you know, the, the, 
the veteran star player on the other side, and it was actually flip-flopped. So I, I don't know. I think Kirk missed some chances. I think he, you know, didn't take the one-on-one chances down the field he could have and checked it down too often. But I also understand if he was kind of told by the coaching staff to put together this game plan with this philosophy to run the clock out, I that's fine. Like I understand that I'm on his side too. So it's just, it's all so annoying, man. It is. I'm heated. It's something to note here, by the way, as this discussion probably fires up and potentially gets even stronger following this weekend's game against Baltimore. Um, the Wilfs, by the way, Tyler Fornes, one of the guys climbing the pocket pointed this out. Uh, the Wilfs have never fired a coach in season for any, for reasons on the field, right? The only reason in recent memory that, the will the Wilfs have decided to let a coach go was Brad Childress back in what was that 2010 and that was a insubordination thing in which Childress kind of decided to go rogue and do his thing and the Wilfs weren't too happy about that that's the one occasion so if you're expecting Mike Zimmer to be fired this week or next week that would be unprecedented territory so it would be irrational it would probably be irresponsible to a degree for us to suggest yeah. that Mike Zimmer is going to get fired it's probably not gonna happen do we think it should I don't think happen? it'll happen in season and yeah. I don't I don't even think I don't even like think I wouldn't it do it in either. season I wouldn't because do it in season now I do kind of want to see how Andre Patterson would be as a as an interim head coach and I okay. yeah I think he and again I, I'm I don't know the guy that well I just know I've seen him kind of in in press conferences and he seems like he's a very you know, well thought out individual. Like sure. I think he'd be a really good leader of men. And I think he is now, but I'm saying like as a, as an entire mm-hmm. in that head coaching role. Uh, but I, I, I'm all about an offensive head coach at this point. I, I, I that's what I need to see. So, uh, and I don't think they have the guy on staff to be that, that person right now. I don't think Clint Kubiak's ready for that. So I think you write out the year with Zimmer uh, and then you try to go find that next offensive minded guy to be the head coach. That's what I think they should do right now. Um, so that's, but again, if they were to give Andre Patterson that chance, um, I, I guess, you know, I'd, I'd be excited to see it, uh, excited to see him be in that leadership role. But I just I'm I I think they need an offensive minded head coach right now for the future. Something to consider here um, if the Vikings elect not to you know, fire Mike Zimmer or the staff, whatever. I don't think that's going to happen. That's the, that's the hill that I'm dying on. So I'm going to roll with that. Right. Um, if you don't, that allows you the potential to retain an Andre Patterson on your new coaches staff next season. Right. Um, So theoretically, if you give, you know, Andre Patterson, that head, that uh, interim head coaching tag or whatever, um, and then you basically say to him, all right, we're not going to make you the head coach. You want to go back to being defensive coordinator. It's not going to, it's not going to happen. So that's something to think about here um, because Andre Patterson probably should be a a solo defensive coordinator, by the way, of course, Adam Zimmer is co-chairing that operation, which is very necessary for the, uh, for the chaos, by the way. Yeah. Fire Zimmer and hire Adam Zimmer. as <laughs> oh. head coach. Can you imagine what that, I, I don't, I don't oh. even, man, that would be, that would be insane. But here's the I, thing. The thing is I'm not even putting out of the question for this franchise right now. I, I wouldn't either. Here's the thing. I wouldn't, I, I don't necessarily even need an offensive coach, but I definitely need a progressive coach. It doesn't really need to be like when I say progressive, I'm not asking for them to hire a 32 year old to make the, you know, to make them the new, you know, team that has the youngest coach in the NFL. That's not what I'm asking for. I'm asking for a guy that values 2021 football. I don't know who that is off the top of my head, but for example, Brandon Staley in the uh, Chargers organization, both of us really like him. He's a defensive minded guy, but he's also very progressive offensively and built around it, you know, with his staff and other like-minded individuals that have that kind of aggressive streak. 
great. Has he run into a bit of a bump in the road in Los Angeles right now? Sure. But that's the kind of mind that we're looking for here, right? Someone who is, you know, not necessarily set in their ways, uh, not necessarily a guru. I don't even care about all that stuff. Just give me a guy that has a progressive attitude, willing to facilitate. Yeah. Job rolls around. I don't know who that guy is right now. I know it's not Joe Brady. I hope to God it's not Joe Brady. My goodness, he has, he, you know, lost his luster in Carolina this year. But, you know, this discussion can be had two months from now. For now, we'll focus on, you know, where the Vikings are at. But the point is, is that this team right now is not good enough to be anything more than a seven seed. And if you're right. cool with that, that's fine. We could still have fun with that this season, right? Um, this show can still be, you know, fun being a, you know, a nine and eight podcast and a, a team where, you know, they're eh, good enough, whatever, to get to the show. And um, we can still have fun with all that. But ultimately, you know, I think we've said this at the beginning of the season. I think that we said this throughout the season this year as well, that if this team wants to win a Super Bowl, there needs to be changes. And I think there needs to be substantial changes. And this is the final straw. This is the, this is the straw that broke the camel's back, right? You saw everything yep. that you needed to see. You saw, you know, an opportunity lost. You saw, I would love to see, progressive offense I would love to better. hear from people in the comments. I just want to like, if you have, if you disagree with us in terms of you want, you're, you're you don't think you're, you're, you're not on the fire Zimmer train yet. You're not on the move from Kirk Cousins, move on from Kirk Cousins train yet. I would love to hear what your take is and, and why. Because, um, and here's the thing. I, Maybe I'm proven wrong and they win five in a row after this. I don't see that as likely, but losing at home to Cooper Rush in his first NFL start. Granted, he played well in the spotlight, like 100%. Like he did what he had to do. I'm Um, happy for the guy, by the way. Even as a Vikings fan, like good for him. He just put millions into his pocket. Yes. One of those situations where he made the most opportunity. Right. right. At our expense, Um, but. Yes. Yeah. You you can't can't lose this game, man. You just. You can't lose it's this laughable. game. It really is. Dallas was handing you this game on a silver platter and you didn't take it. So I, that's, I, I kind of, I'm sick of talking about this game. Otherwise we're just going to repeat the same stuff over and over. The, the frustration points are pretty clear right now. Outdated philosophy, uh, this scared chicken, you know, what mindset um, once you get a lead in the game, uh, you know, there's the lack of target for Justin Jefferson. Uh, there's, a bunch of things we can go at, but the same thing stands, man. It's too old school, too outdated of philosophy. You take the game by the horns. And if you don't do that, every team in the NFL is good enough to come back and get and basically beat you. Right. D- Detroit almost did it to you. with not for some luck at the end of that game. So I uh, will be back. I don't know. I'm, I'm sick of talking about this. So I'm, you close I'm, out the show today. I like I'm it. closing it out. I'm closing sure. it out because I'm done. So we'll be back the early next this week. I don't even know who they play next. I don't care. Baltimore. <laughs> they play Baltimore this week. Okay. We'll be yeah. back uh, in a couple of days. Talk Baltimore. Talk about how much Lamar Jackson is going to rush for this week. Yeah. You want to take the rest from here? I'm done, yeah. man. <laughs> Vikings also on the turnover battle, by the way, by two still found a way to loss. You don't see that happening. Happy. Uh, there we go. I'm good. For, I'm happy for the Vikings. <laughs> For let's, the Vikings. All, let's all whoop it up for the Vikings here. Three and four on the season. Another opportunity lost. In the meantime, this podcast will maintain its steady stride towards the end of this season. Two episodes a week. No doubt. Happy doom and gloom, whatever. We will be here. We'll be here on Thursday to preview the Vikings matchup with the Baltimore Ravens. They are five and a half point underdogs to open the week. So uh, we'll see what that one looks like. But I think it's going to be a lot of the same thing. In the meantime, If you need some more Viking stuff to listen to right now, if you want to wallow in all of our misery together, make sure to check out the Climb in the Pocket Network. Uh, Five shows a week, uh, live shows. There's also podcasts spread throughout the network. A lot of different content creators. So if you don't like Drew and I, 
There's probably someone on our staff that you will enjoy. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you've listened to your podcast, you can find us as well as the rest of that network. And you can find the content, the written content that is, uh, on the Daily Norseman. Uh, make sure to check us out there. Drop us a line in the comment section. You can find us on YouTube and use that comment section as well. But I highly recommend that Daily Norseman one because it gets a little bit more fun. A lot more uh, you know, people tend to be involved in those sections. Maybe you can get into an heated argument with someone in that section too. So uh, thank you as always for joining us and you know, kind of uh, like I was saying, wallowing in the misery that is the Minnesota Vikings right now. And uh, we will catch you guys later on this week. Thank you.